Oh, really? Yeah. How was Boston? Was that was it you, Hasty, and your dad, or was was Shannon and Sam there? It was Shannon, Sam, and then two of my cousins. And two of your cousins and your dad. Yeah, so it was a bunch of fun. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, dude. The Red Sox game was crazy. That's the fir- first time at Fenway? First time at Fenway, and the game went to uh, – I mean, there were 50, 25 runs scored. Oh, was there really? Yeah, which is crazy. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, totally wild. Pay attention to that at all. Yeah, so – that was a uh, that was something else. I uh, I mean, fifteen runs and thirty seven hits, which I don't even know what the record is for hits, but I mean, it's all like seven home runs. Um, you said there was thirty seven hits. Thirty seven hits. Who would they play? The Orioles, who are first in the division right now. Wow! Wow! Yeah. So I mean, it was a heck of a game to be at. So uh, it was wild. I mean, it it was really, really, really. Really cool. So, gotta get to do that. What have you been up to? How's uh, how's work been going? Uh, been good, man. Um, I don't know. Pretty normal stuff. Um, let's see. This well, this weekend we took the EKU played at Kentucky, and so we took the team up there to tailgate um, with uh, with AW's family. They always they've been doing a tailgate, you know, forever. And uh, so we we took all the whole team up there to tailgate. Um, got to go to the game. Uh, dude, EKU put up a pretty good effort, a, a very, very good effort, respectable. Yeah, um, I was actually, I was actually impressed. Yeah, I mean, it was, what was it, like seven seven start. It, yeah, it was seven zero for the longest, and then they scored, and then UK scored right before half. Um, and then honestly, I left, uh, I left at halftime. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, it ended up being a, a pretty good, pretty good team effort there. So that was pretty cool. Uh, I'd never been to, never been to Kroger field, never been to a Kentucky football game. So it was, uh, they, you know, they're, they're, they're not Tennessee, not Bama, not, not Auburn yet, but you know, they're, they, yeah, not, not Florida, not, uh, not Carolina, Florida. not, but it's sort of Vanderbilt. Probably. I hear what you're saying though. <laughs> Shout out Eli Pepper. Shout yeah. out. those yeah. Fleener. Um, yeah, so I don't know. That was this weekend, but everything else just normal workouts, uh, individuals, weights, conditioning. Um, so yeah, everything's everything's cool. First official practice is the twenty fifth. I'll probably say that a couple more times before before we actually start. That's wild. Coming out. I, I went on one of my uh, one of my players at Pikeville. He started a podcast, and um, and so I, I I recorded an episode with him last night. Oh, really? How'd that go? It was good, man. It was really fun. He 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 was going through some things this past year at school, and and him and I had you know talked about it while it was going on. And he's been he's been trying to you know do some things to better himself. And kind of the reason that he's starting it is is for that reason. Um, and so I, when I uh, I actually he didn't tell me when he was first starting it, but I, I realized he did it. So I listened to some episodes. I was like, dude, let me come on and uh, let me come on and talk to you for a little bit. So he allowed me to come on, and we talked we talked for about an hour, man. It was uh, it was cool. It was really cool. That's awesome. Call me. Let me, uh, Evan's calling me. All right, you're good. Yo. Not much. You, uh, you in the office? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll send it to your uh, Pikeville email. Okay, sorry. All right, peace. Nice. Well, you ready to get into it? I'm ready to get into it if you're ready to get into it. All right, let's do it. You have great lighting. What's up, fellas? My man. How you doing, sir? What's up, guys? What kind of operation I got going on here with this camera? You got the uh, you got the background blurred. That's fantastic. Do you want us all to blur it? 
Hey, it don't matter to me. Is this good with you guys? Let's, yeah, yeah. No, you're 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 glowing right now. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Yeah, Am I glowing, Asa? Yeah, you're glowing. I mean, now what? I got to do it too. I mean, you're in a closet, so true. Where, where are you at, Coach? Uh, this, dude, this is this is my office. They get, uh, this is my office. I got a little basically old gold closet. It's a good thing you're not claustrophobic. I know, yeah, very good thing, very good thing. All right, we're all blurred, we're all blurred. We look good, fellas. We do, we do. Uh, all right, well, yo, hey, let's go ahead and get into it. Uh, we got uh, U-Pike Associate Head Coach Evan Faulkner on the show with us today. Uh, Coach, thank you for, for joining us today. Um, man, uh, you know, kind of just talk to us. How, how you doing, man? What's been going on with you? This, you know, school starting recently. How's everything going? We're good, man. You, you know how it goes here. It's uh, It pretty well runs itself once we get guys here and, getting a routine, um, you know, looking forward to getting on the court with our guys starting next week. Uh, haven't been able to do that yet. So just a lot of strength and conditioning, been playing some open gym, uh, trying to do some off the court stuff with our Paul program. I uh, had a guy speak to our team this, this, uh, past, this afternoon, uh, with the Atlanta Hawks. So that was, that was neat to listen to. And, uh, so again, you know, just, just trying to get everybody geared up and ready for, uh, the start of workouts next week. There we go. All right, uh, Elliott County, Kentucky, man. Talk to us about uh, coming up in high school and kind of your journey through, you know, hooping and then through college. Uh, you know, talk to us about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah, man, had had a really neat high school basketball experience. Uh, you know, grew up in a really small town, Sandy Hook, Kentucky. Uh, one high school in the town of about, I don't know, a couple thousand people maybe. Um, you know, graduated in a class of 75, which – at the time was actually a pretty big class for our high school. So super small, uh, just a really close knit community. Uh, grew up playing with, uh, you know, I got an identical twin brother and, you know, we had a, a group of dudes that just fell in love with, with, with ball that was about the same age and, uh, you know, started just pretty much playing year round from the time we were in elementary school and on and uh, ended up having just, um, you know, kind of a storybook type of high school basketball uh, team considering just, the town and the size of the school and all those different kinds of things. And, um, you know, those guys are still some of the closest friends, closest friends that I have to this day. Um, you know, when, when I am have an opportunity to get home for Thanksgiving and Christmas, we get together with those guys every year still. So it's kind of like a reunion of sorts and, uh, really, uh, don't get to see them a whole lot other than that, but it's always just awesome to catch up and, and, you know, get to spend some time with those guys. Um, from there, went to Radford university for two years, Played for Brad Greenberg there, and um, you know it was it was um, a really good experience. I learned a ton. Um, didn't end up being a great fit for me, and you know a lot of that was probably my fault looking back on it. But uh, you know, ended up transferring to University of Charleston Division Two in West Virginia, and played for Mark Downey there, and uh, you know, kind of kind of got it back together and. Uh, Found found the joy that I had playing again there that I had in high school and uh, you know got to finish my career on a, on a note that that I could be proud of. So uh, it was um, it was a it was a neat journey and uh, had some ups and downs, but uh, thankful for the good and thankful for the bad. So so back up to high school when were you playing AAU with the same dudes year round too? Were y'all yeah? Growing up, we did. Uh, you know, about the time I got to maybe my sophomore year of high school, we started branching out a few of us that you know we're starting to get a little bit of recruitment. And uh, you know, at the time it wasn't like it is now, but uh, it was starting to get to that point. And so we were we traveled across the country the last few years of high school and uh, played in some higher level AAU stuff to try to get a little exposure, but. 
you know, from the time we were in probably fifth grade until the time we were eighth graders or freshmen, we were all playing together. And most of that was just regional stuff, you know, playing in Lexington or Louisville or wherever it was. But, uh, you know, we were playing 50, 60 games in the summer together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you uh, you mentioned something you mentioned something earlier, kind of like about finding the joy again, and and you know I would say there was probably there was probably a point in in my career where I, it was the joy wasn't the same, right? And and sure. you, you know you change your your situation, um, kind of what what's it like as a player in the middle of college, going experiencing you know losing kind of the joy you had, and then trying to find it again? Kind of what was that like, and what were some of the things you had to do to get back right? Yeah, you know, it, it was tough for me. Uh, I was always a dude that lived in the gym. And, uh, and again, a, lo- a lot of this was on me. I, I know that now. And, you know, I was like every other freshman in college. There was there was all kinds of distractions, and I fell victim to that at times. And, um, you know, that probably had as much to do with it as anything else. But, um, you know, just for whatever reason, things weren't going real good. And, you know, I, I was getting a lot of opportunity. The, the, the staff was really good to me, um, despite not being very efficient, not being very productive, uh, was still giving me a ton of opportunity. You know, I played 17 or 18 minutes a game as a freshman and, you know, started about half the games as a sophomore and really never, never played well at all. And, uh, you know, just for whatever reason, just, just couldn't find that motivation to get in the gym and just grind it out and work through it like I've done in the past. And, again, a lot of that probably had to do with just – going through a new experience and being in a different place and just trying to figure it out. And um, thankfully I, I, I got to reset and, and find that again when I transferred back to Charleston, just, you know, it was, it was um, just the people I were around, um, you know, helped me get there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, now, all right. So after college, you, you, you started coaching, you started coaching pretty quickly and had, had some success uh, pretty young um, as a, as a high school head coach. Talk to us about that. Yeah. So, you know, I'd always known I wanted to coach. Uh, I, I think I knew that from a very young age, I was, um, you know, I think inspired early uh, by my high school coach, Rick Mays. And, um, you know, I played for the same high school coach my dad played for. So he, he did it for 32 years and, really didn't have a ton of just success on paper for the majority of his career, but, um, you know, was a little bit of a visionary of sorts when, when, uh, our, our group of guys, you know, started getting in the gym and going to camp and doing all that stuff, you know, he really built the program with, with our group in mind for the last 10 or 15 years of his career. And, you know, just seeing the way he connected our group and, um, you know, helping us just fall in love with basketball. That, that was an inspiration to me to, to want to coach. And obviously knew ne- never, didn't ever think I could just be totally without it, but that kind of got the bug itching, I think for me. And, uh, so after I finished playing at Charleston, um, I, I ended up working for a guy named Dwayne Osborne for a year. Uh, he's actually not the guy I played for, you know, I, I had it worked out with my college coach, Mark Downey to stick on. I, I, I have an education degree. So I was going to have to student teach. So I was going to have to have a semester of school. And I knew that uh, after I finished playing. So Coach Downey ended up taking a job at West Alabama after I finished and Coach Osborne got the job there and uh, just luckily got it worked out with him where I could, where I could volunteer that year. I, I student taught my first semester and, you know, would, would get straight to the gym after student teaching and, and practice and, or be at practice, I should say. And then, you know, work throughout the evening, just trying to get caught up on the stuff that I had responsibilities doing. And 
then the second semester of that year, uh, I was done student teaching and, you know, somehow I stumbled across a little part-time job at a Montessori school there in Charleston and spent some time tutoring some kids there. I made like 800 bucks a month, paying like 500 bucks a month in rent. Looking back on it, I don't know how I really did it, but somehow I figured it out and, um, you know, was in the office more then and just kind of learned how to work in the office. And so it was a great experience. We actually won the league that year. Uh, it's first year the Mountain East Conference uh, tournament was held. We won it that year. And from there, parlayed that into a, to a high school coaching job at Ripley High School up in West Virginia. I got the job when I was 23 years old. And, um, you know, I just – I didn't really want to get out of college, but I had to make some money. And that that was an opportunity that presented itself. And, you know, looking back on it, um, you know, probably two of the biggest years of growth in my coaching career so far. Yeah, so um... – so, Coach, I actually was in high school last year. So I, I coached three years in college, went one high school, and now I'm back in college. What was uh, what were some of the biggest lessons you learned while you were in high school? You know, I think just learning how to manage people was the biggest thing. Um, you know, it's it's you're young and you're excited and, you know, it, it's difficult because a lot, you know, at times I was – shoot, I was five or six years older than the kids I was coaching. And – but it's it just – I think that – uh, they had not had a ton of success. They had a run. You, you guys may remember the name Chase Fisher that played at BYU, uh, was a big-time scorer, started out at Wake Forest. Uh, he was a parade All-American from Ripley. And he had an older brother named Noah that I actually played with at Charleston. They're, they're Ripley guys. And so they had a stretch there for, you know, a four- or five-year period, a uh, few years before I got there, that they had had some success. But, you know, program uh, history was not very good. And my thing was, man, I just I want to get in here and work and try to help these guys have some kind of experience close to what I had. And, you know, we, we got close. Uh, I, we made it better. And I had some really good assistants that helped me along the way do that. And we had a really good group of kids. You know, we ended up having a top 100 kid in the country named Chase Johnson that went to Florida out of high school. Had another kid named Luke Lahue that eventually came to U-Pike and was an All-American. Had another kid named Jameson Hunt that got a scholarship to play at West Virginia State. And then some other kids on the team that were just pretty good athletes that, you know, didn't pursue uh, basketball in college, but were good enough to, to to help us have some success. So my thing was I just I, – I wanted to try to just lay some kind of foundation for culture because they hadn't really had that in the past and just try to help them have a little bit of success. That, that would have been a win. But, um, you know, thankfully those guys bought in and worked really hard and had some really good help and uh we won 16 games my second year which was the most i think they'd won in 20 or 25 years so a lot of that had to do with us having better players than they had in the past but you know it, it, we did work really hard to build a culture and try to establish some work habits yeah that's awesome so all right so nathan so nathan kind of just went through the same same thing kind of talked to us about getting back into college i mean it's not a it's not an easy door to get through um kind of what were some things that you know what got you back into it well i'll say this the number one thing uh you know and i learned this from coach osborne when i was at charleston and he still stays on me about this stuff all the time but i knew that i wanted to get back in and um I knew that I probably wasn't going to get back in with a full-time position. So the one thing that I really tried to focus on when I was at Ripley, and this is going to sound crazy, is I tried to save as much money as I could. Yeah. And because I knew that when I got back in, that I was probably going to have to take a part-time job. So yeah, that was – Will you say that again? <laughs> Coach Osborne, Dwayne Osborne. He's uh, 
Sounds like one of the smartest guys I know. Yeah, he, he well, he <laughs> is a smart dude. He really is. But, um, no, that that was one of my biggest focuses. I knew that uh, – and, and I told – when, when I took the job at Ripley, they knew that. They knew that, you know, I was going to pour everything I had into the program while I was there, but they knew that my long-term goal was to get back in. So, um, I, I just tried to save some money because I knew hopefully in a year or two that I was going to – I was going to have a chance to get back in, but it was probably going to be part-time. So, um, you know, I, I actually had some opportunities after my first year, but really wanted to see that group through uh, for another year and see what we could get done in year two. Um, and then had, had an opportunity here to come to the University of Pikeville and be a graduate assistant, you know, work for Kelly Wells and work with Coach Compton, who's now our head coach. And, uh, you know, I was very familiar with those guys. They'd recruited Luke a little bit while I was there at Ripley as his high school coach. And, um, you know, they had recruited me a little bit out of high school, recruited me a little bit when I transferred from Radford. And, you know, of course, everybody in this area just – you just know who Kelly Wells is. So, when that opportunity presented itself, you know, I felt like it was it was right for me. It was going to keep me on the court and allow me to continue to actually have a voice and continue to coach. Um, and at the same time – get me back where I needed to be or, or where I wanted to be, I should say. And that was at the college level. How, uh, so how long did you coach before you like could live off of just coaching? Like before you had a paycheck? Yeah. To, so, so know? I was, I was obviously at Ripley I had a full-time job. I was teaching and coaching. Yeah. Um, and I was really lucky. I came here. I volunteered my first year at Charleston. Didn't make a dime there. Mm-hmm. Took the Ripley job, worked there for two years, full-time. And then, you know, came to uh, at the time the graduate assistant pay at, at UPike was five grand, and you got your housing and your meals and your and your uh, school paid for. Yeah. So I got a small stipend, um, and then I was really fortunate. I only I was only a GA here for one year. Uh, the year going into year two, there's a full time spot that came open here, and uh, you know, thankful Coach Wells gave me the opportunity to to take that job. Um, at the time, it paid. I think it was twenty seven five or twenty eight thousand dollars a year. Uh, so we wasn't making much, but it was enough. I could at least eat at night. Yeah, yeah. What? So hang on. How, how you were? You were an assistant with Compton for a couple of years, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. We worked together. So this will be my eighth year here. So I've, I've completed seven full years. Coach has been the head coach for three. So we worked together. One is a GA, and then full time together for three. I, I wish I could have been there. All right, talk to me. What 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 was it like with Evan and and Ty Compton as assistants together? I was about to you say know, we, you could give us our your best story, and uh, <laughs> we're you can get me in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> man, we're we're putting it right on air. No, I mean we worked really well together. You know, much like we do now. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it took a while to to you know figure it out and just learn what worked and what didn't. Of course, at the time coach was doing most of the recruiting. Uh, and and my thing was, I, I just want to learn and and at some point hopefully have the same recruiting responsibilities that he does. And um, you know he was a great mentor in that respect. Uh, very thorough. You know, I remember we used to get those big Mullins JUCO reports, and when I first started looking through them, I'm just thinking, how, how do we get through all this? Mm-hmm. And you know, I'd be sitting here watching coach and you know he'd be going through the whole thing. There wasn't a stone left unturned. There wasn't a name that wasn't checked on and you know, just things like that that I learned from him and, you know, try to operate a lot in the same way. And, you know, here uh, when it comes to recruiting, we don't have a compliance coordinator. We don't have all that stuff. I mean, we're, we're working through the transcripts. We're checking eligibility. I mean, 
uh, it, it's it's really all operated in house when it comes to recruiting here. So um, you know you got to be very detailed and very organized. I mean, you you sign guys that you know you've missed something on a transcript and they come here and they're ineligible, and you know it's really on you. You don't really have anybody else to blame it on. So um, you know it's it's tough at times. You got to be really diligent, and uh, you know again, so much of that I learned from coach while we were working together as assistants. That's that, that's one of the things. Yeah, crazy. I mean, y'all got to be the ones to check, you know, know that yeah. you got to really got to, I'm assuming, be up on your rules. Right. I mean, you're oh, yeah. you're the handbook yeah. and, and, and again, all that stuff. Like when I first started, of course, I didn't have a clue. I mean, yeah. uh, tried to learn it as quick as I could. But I mean, the things that I've learned from just a recruiting and a compliance and an eligibility and all those different kinds of things, that's all been coach. I mean, that's he's he's been the mentor in that regard for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I mean, you know, let's 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 talk a little bit, you know, kind of more about Pikeville. We mentioned Kelly and, you know, Pikeville's had some big. What's it what's it like just, you know, kind of seeing the growth since you've been there and, and working your way through, you know, just through the program and, and kind of seeing where it's at now? Yeah, you know, NAI has changed a ton since I've been here. Uh, you know, when I first got here, we were in the Mid-South Conference. We had eight teams. We were scheduling 30 games. You know, you had a 30 game schedule. So whatever that is, we were scheduling 16 games a year and um, you know, a lot of times there was, you know, one year, I think there were six out of eight teams from the Mid-South that went to the national tournament. So um, just really competitive basketball in the league we were in. And, you know, we're, we're transitioning to the Appalachian Athletic Conference this upcoming year, which will be, you know, equally as competitive. We know that. But, you know, just just the changes has, has made things tougher. There's one division in NAI now where there used to be two. There's one national tournament, of course, now there used to be two. Excuse me. Um, you know, the way you get into the national tournament has all changed. You know, to be honest with you, used to, um, you know, the first three or four years I were here, I mean, we were just compiling as many wins as we could in the non-conference. And then, you know, as long as we could finish in the top three or four in our league, we had such respect, uh, you know, across the country uh, with with our league that if we're in the top three or four and we had 20 or 22 wins, we were getting in. It didn't matter who we beat in the non-conference. Mm-hmm. Uh and, you know, some people didn't like that, but the results really spoke for themselves because we always had pretty good success when we got to the national tournament winning games. And, you know, it's just way more difficult now. There's way more teams competing for the spots. Uh, you know, the NAI is now using strength of schedule and RPI and all that different kind of stuff. So you got to be very strategic with the way you schedule and uh, you got to you got to beat good teams to get in. And, um, you know, it's always been that way to some extent, but it's it's much more uh, you know, like the NCAA formula now than it has been in the past. So, uh, you know, we've we've been really good. Uh, Asa, you know about our history. I mean, I've been fortunate enough to be part of a conference championship here. I've uh, been to two Elite Eights of the national tournament. We've been to the national tournament, I think, uh, what is it, five out of seven years I've been here. Um, went to the national tournament again last year and got a win against Huntington. Ace got to be a part of that. That was a lot of fun. And, so uh, you know, there's there's really nothing that, you know, throughout my basketball journey that I enjoy more than, uh, you know, the experiences I got to have as a coach with postseason success. I, I think that's the most fun thing, even as a player, you know, winning games, winning tournaments, winning tournament games as a player was fun. But I, I don't know what it is. I think it's just maybe that's all I got left competitively to, to you know, just root for now. And, and you know, when we went on those elite eight runs to the national in the national tournament, or even going this year and winning a game in the national tournament against a really high level team in Huntington University at Indiana, I mean those that gets my gears turning now. Yeah, yeah. Can you? I have a. 
Go ahead. I have a quick question. Uh, actually, if you're going off this, it's kind of a sidebar. So go ahead, Ace. I, I can ask. You. Well, I was going to, I was, Evan, I was just going to ask you to, can you explain like the pod system? I mean, how, because sure. I, I, I didn't grasp that one that well. How it yeah. Works. So it's, it's similar to Division Two in AI. It's, 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 you know, as much as they say they, they're not going to that model, that's, that's kind of the model we're at right now. You know, in NCAA Division Two, you get the you have the regional rankings, and you go and you compete in the region, and you get out of the region to go to the Elite Eight. In NAI, they send you basically to to teams of pods of four rather than eight, and instead of having to win a, a region of eight to get to the Elite Eight, I believe it is in Division Two, you have to win a pod of four to get to the Sweet Sixteen in NAI. So one less game is essentially all it is. It's not you know the difference between NAI and NCAA Division Two is, you know, we're not going and playing league teams in the regional tournament. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times because in Division Two, like you've got the Atlantic region, which is, you know, the Mountain East and the PSAC and the CIAA, at least that's what it was when I played. And when you went to the first round of the national tournament, you may play a team from your league because it's just those three conferences competing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we haven't gotten to that, thankfully. I, I, I really hated that as a player and as a coach when, when I was at Charleston. You know, we made the national tournament my junior year. We went and played Wheeling. We played them three times that year in the first round of the national tournament. So it's it's a little different, but you know, similar in 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 the respect that, you know, you go to a site, you have to win the site to get to the final site. Uh and in NAI, you got fourteen pods in the final site's the final site of sixteen. Yep. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, division two is still similar is uh yeah. Honestly, you know, I'm really disappointed. That's where we're at with it because that was that was the secret sauce of NAI. It was the national tournament, and I hope we get back to a little bit closer to what it used to be when we had two different tournaments. Because, you know, when when we would go when there was two divisions, we would go to Kansas City play Municipal Auditorium, who you know they've had more NCAA tournament games there than I think any other venue in the United States, and um, it's a lot of that is, is, you know, early 50s, 60s, 70s. But, I mean, it's, it's, got a, it's got a national tournament feel to it. And there's 32 teams there, and you play five games in seven days, I think it is. You might have to play five games in six days, depending on when your first-round game is. You bring 32 teams, and you play till you got a winner. And it was so unique. And, you know, you stay right across the street from the gym, and you're walk, walking back and forth from your room to the, to the auditorium all the time to watch games. And, uh, you know, when you're not watching film or you're not practicing, you're sitting there watching the other teams play. It was it was a really neat experience, especially when you, you know, won a game or two and got to stick around for a while. It was uh, – I hope we get back to that at some point, at least something closer than what we're at now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Asa, have you ever been to uh, uh, Kansas? Or, no, uh, no, I, I have it's not. It's in Missouri. Yeah, it's in Missouri, but it's in Kansas City. Or the MIAA uh, tournament. Yeah, same place. And it is—it's a really, really yeah. cool. I've heard, yeah, I've, I've heard it's a, it's awesome. I've I've never been. Um, yeah. What What did you have, Nathan? Oh yeah, I was going to ask. So this is a little bit of a sidebar. It goes off more of your coaching history and just uh, you in general. But um, what would you say if we were asking, if somebody was asking you or you're being interviewed, strengths and weaknesses? What would they be on your staff? On our staff. Like for you, like what what are your strengths and weaknesses on your current staff? Yeah, I think that, you know, we've got a really unique staff dynamic here, especially at the small college level, but uh, because we've essentially we've got three full time staff members and we have two graduate assistants. 
So thankfully here, because we have so much help, for the most part, we get to operate in our strength zone more so than we have to try to deal with, you know, what our weaknesses are. And of course, we've all got some, but, you know, my main responsibilities here as an assistant, you know, recruiting, player development, scouting, um, you know, just your typical assistant coaching responsibilities. You know, I, I think the thing that I try to focus on the most, um, you know, just from a fundamental level is just trying to do what I can to add value to our guys. And, um, you know, I've talked to people about this before. You know, I don't all the time have a ton in common with the guys that we recruit. And it's it's not just a natural process for me at times to build relationships with them. And, you know, the way I've tried to do that over my career is just get in the gym with them, sweat with them, add value to what they got going on and try to help them get where they want to be, you know, whether that's, you know, professionally in the basketball world or, or elsewhere. And, you know, that is just didn't on the court. I, I try to do that as much as I can off the court. So just spending time with them and, and just trying to help them understand that I'm here to serve them and try to help them get where they want to be, reach their goals. I don't care to work and sweat with them if that's what it takes to help them do that. You know, that's that's kind of been my relationship building strategy over the years. And, uh, you know, once they see that, you know, the the um, um, you know, the other parts of it just become a little more natural because they I, I think they realize that, you know, I want what's best for them. I, I'm willing to work with them that, um, you know, even when it's inconvenient or or, you know, whatever, that I'm not afraid to just drop what I got going on and try to help them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Being be there for him, being there for him. I was, uh, I actually, uh, Evan, I hopped, you know, Trent's doing a podcast now. Oh yeah. Um, and so, and I actually recorded an episode with him last night cool. and, um, and I, one of the, I asked him about like, cause you know, he was going through his stuff. And so I asked him about, you know, how could somebody like me be, be there for, he was like, just be there. You know, that's, that's really yeah. all you can do um, is just be there. Um, all right. Well, hey, listen, we uh, only got about 10 minutes left. You want to do some rapid fire questions with us? Let's do it. All right, man. Here we go. Uh, last technical. Uh, probably when I was at Ripley, I'll be honest with you. That that was you talking about strengths and weaknesses. Now that was a weakness. And <laughs> I got a lot of work to do on that still. That's that's been a, you know, it's self-improvement point of emphasis for myself over the last year or two. Uh, but when, when I was at Ripley and young and just wanting to take on the world. Uh, I, I did not handle the officiating very well. I, I'm honestly a little embarrassed about it looking back on it, but uh, I, I got more than my fair share there. And to be, again, just embarrassed a little bit looking back on it. Too many. Did you ever get kicked out of a game? I did not. I I, re- I refrained from doing that. I had to restrain myself a time or two, but uh, it was doing way too much. Yeah, doing too much. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, you ever done? Oh, a Asa, 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 I'm sorry. We're going to elaborate on this. What was doing too much? What, 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 uh, just, I'm just extremely curious. Hollering and screaming and acting like a wild man. I mean, not, not nothing out of like, you know, that you hadn't seen before, but I mean, to me, I mean, I, I, I was trying to treat that thing like I was coaching at Duke or Kentucky or whatever. I mean, if I'd had that job, it wouldn't have been any more important to me at the time. And, you know, I just, Competit- competitiveness came out in me in the games, and I, I needed to dial it back a little bit. I I I, to, I didn't figure that out while I was there, but um, trying to trying to be better about that as I get a little older and hopefully a little more mature. Now, yeah, I, used to, I still don't do a very good job, but 
We'll talk uh, about it off of this. We'll, we'll get into some of the individual stories about uh, about yeah. some of text. Yeah, um, I can share some all, all off the tape. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Have you ever dunked a basketball on a 10-foot rim? No. No? No. Really? You never did? I was I was probably – probably closest I ever got was, um, you know, maybe like – I can't remember. It was going into my freshman year, sophomore year, high school. We were doing some stuff in the summer and, you know – whatever the, the new thing at the time is, I'm sure we were doing, you know, I remember one time we got those jump soles or whatever those things were. We yeah. used to jump up on the bleachers or whatever with those things. Yeah. Uh, I got, dude, I had the same things, baby. Yeah. Oh. I mean, some guys on our team would like wear them to school. Like they thought that they was, somehow that was going to help. Um, you know, we had to Vertimax at some point that that was like a new thing when I was, you know, into my high school uh, career, but I don't know. I think it was maybe between my freshman and sophomore year. I was, Maybe getting close. I don't know. And I broke my leg, and it was it was never the same. Yeah. Um, all right, foul. Uh, you're you're up three under ten seconds. They have the ball. Are you fouling or let it letting it play out? I'm gonna foul every time. Yeah. <laughs> now I might not do it immediately with ten seconds, but yeah. But hey. it's it's one of those things, Coach and I. I mean, if if you had Coach Compton on here and you ask him what I would do, he would be able to tell you. He knows where I stand on it, and. Yeah. Um, we've done it and we haven't done it. Um, we seem like we find ourselves in that situation all the time and he don't even have to ask me. He knows what I'm going to say in the moment. Um, but it's something I think you got to practice. You got to, you know, um, you got to prepare for, it's got to be one of those deals where if there's 10 seconds, you know, maybe you practice letting them get the ball across half court and you foul the end, trying to milk as much of that clock as you can. But, um, I am 100% on the foul team. Yeah. Um, all right, are you leaving, leave, are you leaving your best player in with two fouls in the first half? Probably not. Probably not. Uh, um, um, and, and typically I, I lean on the side of the stats and the analytics. And I think most people will tell you, you probably should. I, I think it's situational. Yeah. I, I, you know, if you can, if you feel like you got a guy you can trust and he's got enough discipline about him to, to, uh, you know, play without fouling, knowing knowing the circumstances, even if that means dialing it back a little bit, then then maybe you roll with it. But you know, I do a lot of our subbing, and and you know, typically when the guy's got two fouls in the first half, we're gonna get him out of there and try to have him for the home stretch. Yeah. Um, all right, go for the tie, go for the win. Again, I, I think I would probably say situational. Um, I, I think probably just fundamentally, I would err on the side of going for the tie, but. You know, I think there's probably times where, you know, if you're on the road and you feel like you ain't got much left in the tank and you got an opportunity to try to win it, maybe you go for it. Um, if you feel like somehow you're down and you got a bucket, but maybe you, you got a little momentum somehow and you can ride it out in overtime and get it done and maybe you go for the tie. I, I think fundamentally I would probably err on the side of going for the tie, but I'm sure there's circumstances where we might chuck one up there and try to get the dub. Mm-hmm. Uh, I casual the professional. Hold up, hey, Asa. Oh. I actually I have one. All right, so I'm gonna I'm gonna add into this rapid fire. You know, I'm gonna give it a little spice for this one. So uh, I'm more worried about this. Yeah, yeah go, no, no, no. This is going off. Go for the tire. Go for the win. Um, go to your best. Uh, go to your best player or use them as a decoy. Yeah, um, I'm probably gonna go to my best player. Um, you know. Asa can attest to this. Now we, we had the leading scorer in the league last year. He was he was a ball player. He could get you a basket. Now if we needed one, that circle was going to get the ball. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I, I'm I 
think about this fairly often. I'm a little bit more of a, of a risk taker in that regard if we're tied. And like, like if I, if I got to have a basket, I don't want to be the dude that's like throws it to somebody that ain't your best player and we lose. And then you, you know, the coach is an idiot. Why do you give it to that guy? But if you're tied and you feel like, like, I always feel like if we need a, like if we were going to um, take a three late, like I always felt like there's a lot of times that the best case scenario would be to let your five man shoot it. And I know that sounds crazy, but here's why he's going to get a shot. How often do you see teams run plays down the stretch for a three and, you know, they're going to their best player, their best shooter, and it's defended so well they don't even get a shot. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd rather throw it to that guy. He's going to be open. Let him shoot it sometimes. A little bit outside the box thinking. But, um, you know, we had a we had a guy at uh, Radford who was the player of the year in the league and got some summer league stuff and was just a phenomenal player. Wasn't really a, like a three-point shooter. You know, he was a true post. But, you know, there was times we were in that scenario that we – ran something to get him a shot from the perimeter just because we knew he was going to be open. We was at least going to get a look at it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that. I like that thought process. Um, okay. Did you like I, the, did you like the little, uh, I did, I did Nathan. That was good. Okay. Yeah. That was a good question. That was, was, great. Great. was great. Um, all right. I got to skip a couple here. We don't have much time. Um, if you were not coaching basketball, what would, what would you be doing? I got a teaching degree. That's probably the easy answer. Um, yeah. so Let's go with that. Probably teaching. All right. What's your handicap in golf? I played to about a two point six this summer. Woo! <laughs> uh, it was. It's. It's. It don't always look that. It don't. Look <laughs> it sounds good on paper, but I'll throw a good round in there every now and then. But I ain't. A, I, ain't a, I ain't above getting out there and shooting an eighty four, eighty five either. Yeah. Yeah. I still haven't got around with you, which is ridiculous. That's unbelievable. I need to get down there. All right. Uh, who wins this game? Five LeBrons versus five Jordans. Oh, here we go. I'm gonna get. Ace's gonna get fired up on this one. I, I'm a Jordan dude. I, I, I'm gonna go with Jordan. Yeah. I don't have a great rationale for why. I just that dude. To me, he's just the best. I mean, he won them all almost. And so, I'm going with Jordan. I don't want to argue with you about it because. I've been down that road before. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, luckily we don't have time to uh, to argue right now. But uh, <laughs> Evan, man, I appreciate you coming on. Hey, man. Absolute pleasure. Um, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, you Pike Coach E. I got Twitter, Instagram. Uh, I mean, I get on there. You uh, hit me up, whatever. I ain't, I ain't living on there, especially Instagram. I'm more of a Twitter guy. I'm behind the times, I think. But yeah. uh, you Pike Coach E is, is all my social media stuff. Cool, man. Well, uh, that's all we got for you today. Uh, Coach, good luck to y'all this year, man. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to uh, catching up here soon, man. All right, man. We'll see you. See you.